Well, hello, good morning, One Life Community Church. Uh, my name is Greg, and before I get into the kind of litany or the normal things that uh, I would be saying to you on a Sunday morning, uh, I just want to realize that uh, I, I've noticed that we use phrases differently nowadays. Uh, I was watching a YouTube clip from Billy Crystal and Jimmy Fallon from a couple years ago, and, uh, and he said, these are interesting times. Um, and I realized we've been saying these are interesting times for a few years now, um, and, and we've been saying it again in the last couple days, um, and it just keeps going. Um, and so even this morning as I was getting ready for this, I was like, oh yeah, here's what I usually say, like, welcome to One Life Community Church. So my name is Greg. We're so delighted that you could all be here today. Um, and then I go into something about, and I'm really thankful for the technology that we have to engage through live stream and podcasts and all that. Um, and that really means something different today. It just as it did last week, that um, we have this ability to connect, even though um, we can't be in the same space together. Um, we can still be together. And so I'm, I'm super thankful for that. Um, and so it's from that unique space that I'm going to ask you to join me as, as we pray. God, I do give you great thanks for this day and for your presence in our lives. God, that even though we right now have to be physically apart from one another, you are not limited by those same things. Um, and so we ask that you be with us, you connect us, God, and that we serve one God who is not bound by the same things we are. So we believe and we trust and we lean into this reality that you can connect us over geographical distances and through all kinds of circumstances that you are still the one true God whom we serve and love. And so we give you great thanks for that, that we can be united in that uh, and know that. So be with us, speak to us from this unique place and time that we're in um, and lead us. Tune our hearts to be attentive to you in all this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in the Lent season. We're in our third week of Lent. Um, and uh, Lent, as you know, means uh, springtime. Um, it is literally translated as springtime. And so it's this idea of that... Um, we are like a seed in the ground. The church, God's people, are like a seed in the ground that's growing, uh, and it's uh, changing and moving, and then it's going to break through uh, into the sunlight of Easter. And we've had this quote uh, that we've been uh, using um, that is, Lent is meant to be the church's springtime, a time when out of the darkness of sin's winter, a repentant, empowered people emerges. And so... Our hope is that going through this time that we come out different, we come out changed. Uh, and for this season, we've been uh, going through a sermon series entitled, This Must Be Stronger Than That. And it comes from a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, and an idea by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany um, in uh, pre and, and leading up to World War II. And uh, he uh, developed this seminary, like this secret underground seminary, as they were training people to uh, battle against and, and stand against uh, Adolf Hitler and the rise of Nazism in Germany. And um, so there's this one moment where a friend of his said, yeah, it feels like it's a little intense. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer took him up on this hill where they could look down on one of the training camps for, uh, for the, the Nazi uh, 
Nazi group. And, uh, and he said, yeah, so this, and he pointed back to his seminary, must be stronger than that, and pointed to the, the Nazi training camp. And this, meaning the people of God and how they live out their faith in Jesus, must be stronger than that. And for him, he was referring to that Nazi training camp. But, but in our context, it's referring to the discipline of the ways of the world around us and those practices. Now, so far as we've been in this series, we've looked at a handful of things. We've looked at uh, worship must be stronger than idolatry. We've looked at the truth must be stronger than lies. And last week, we looked at grieving must be stronger than dismissing. And this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, hospitality uh, must be stronger than fear. And this might seem like an interesting uh, thing to talk about in this time, and I think it will be. I think it'll actually be quite fascinating uh, for us to talk about this. Um, and so, uh, but we're going to see how this goes. Um, and Rich, or someone, I'm getting constant errors from the, the iPad, so uh, I may need some help with this. Um, but we'll see how it goes. So, if you have uh, up there what I have now, it's a picture of me and Angie and a bunch of guys. Um, and this is uh, a house uh, that we lived in. Um, and there we go. Uh, so uh, Angie and I um, had this vision for a community house. Um, and in the year 2000, we uh, moved into that house. We moved into it on July 1st of 2000. And uh, the gentleman in the lower, uh, your lower left-hand corner, his name is Jay Choi, he moved in with us that day. So our first day in that house, we had a student living with us. And for the next 14 years, we had over 50 college students that lived with us uh, during our time there. And this was a place where we grew and learned a lot about hospitality. We had all kinds of gatherings. This is um, one of our... Uh, events. It was a UCF event um, that was a pumpkin carving gathering. Um, and so we had a ton of people there uh, just carving pumpkins and having a great time. This next one is after another one of our gatherings. I believe it was a Christmas gathering. Uh, just a ton of people hanging out. Um, but this thing for Angie and I didn't just come from us. We had been taught uh, some things about hospitality and experience some hospitality in the campus ministry group we were in. But I know for me personally, I actually got some of this uh, from my family. Um, and this first picture, if my parents are watching, I'm sure they're going to love. Um, but this is a picture of us growing up, uh, my brother and I and my mom and dad. And I chose this picture because it's Christmas time and Christmas time around my house was a huge time of hospitality. And the one specific thing I remember was that there was a, a friend of my parents who was a widow and didn't have family to really connect with at Christmas time. And so my mom and dad always invited her over. And I remember thinking at one point like, well, it would make sense if she came over just like for Christmas morning um, but my parents invited her over often to stay for several days with us around that time because they just knew how important that was for people to be connected. And so that was one of the ways that I started to learn about hospitality. Um, and just for fun, there's a picture of my family later. That was my mom and dad's 50th anniversary, still being hospitable and inviting a bunch of people to get together and hang out. It's my brother and I. Um, but my parents learned this, uh, I think specifically from 
my dad's mom and dad, uh, Bernardino and Ruth DiLoretto. And I've told you all lots of stories about Christmas time and other events at their house where there would just be tons of people, family reunions, all these events. And every single person was not only welcome, but felt uh, like they belonged. And that was my, largely my grandmother's doing. She just made sure that everyone felt like they belonged. And whether it was a brand new a uh, significant other that came over or just someone's friend. It, di- it didn't matter. Everyone would, would know that they belonged there. Um, and I recently just found out uh, from talking with my aunt and doing some uh, genealogy research, uh, this is my great-grandmother and grandfather, Domenica and Anthony DiLoretto. Um, and they were also uh, really known for hospitality when they moved here. Um, they opened up their home to uh, some other uh, people, some other immigrants who were coming from Italy and some other places, and they worked at a smelter in Ruston, uh, down, by, down in Tacoma, and they stayed at my, grand, my great-grandparents' house, and my great-grandmother, Domenica, made them food for lunch and breakfast and dinner and, uh, and just took care of them. And so I feel like I have lived hospitality through several generations of my family um, and then begun to experience in new ways in my own life. And so I was really excited uh, to talk about this topic today. And before we get into what hospitality looks like in the Bible, I want to talk about, because we said it's got to be stronger than fear, right? That hospitality has to be stronger than fear. And I'm actually not going to spend a ton of time talking about fear. And right now I'm not going to do that because I think we're all very aware of a lot of things that we're afraid of. And for some of us, it's been the past few years, these things have really come to the surface, whether it's the current political situation in our country, situations around the world, uh, things going on in our neighborhoods and our own homes. Um, But certainly right now in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of our fears have really gotten close to the surface and we're very aware of those. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time focusing on that because I want to focus on what I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading us to, to, to move into this, that needs to be stronger than that fear. Uh, and again, that's hospitality. And so hospitality uh, simply is defined as uh, intentional acts that welcome and provide resource for one who is previously unknown. It also entails caring for a shared space, human exchanges that restore the spirit, and participation in the life of God. And one of my favorite authors and scholars, a gentleman named Henry Nouwen, said this, if there's any concept worth restoring to its original depth and evocative potential, it is the concept of hospitality. It is one of the richest biblical terms that can deepen and broaden our insight and our relationship to God and to our fellow human beings. This sounds pretty awesome, but we have some challenges because one of the things we've done is we've often tried to limit hospitality and control the definitions um, and and structures and outcomes of hospitality, specific in uh, making them a matter of failure or success. And so we might say, well, I tried to be hospitable, but it didn't really have the outcome that I wanted, and so now I'm not going to try it again, right? Or it was successful, so we're going to repeat that exact same thing, where I think there's something bigger that we have to look at. Um, Author and scholar Amy Oden said this, mining the depths of the stories, 
theology and writings on hospitality and the kingdom of God give ample room for the imagination and for God's abundance if we allow ourselves to plunge into the mystery of God. Now when I read that, first of all I was like, you rock, that's an awesome quote. But I was also feeling a huge invitation like, yeah, I got to plunge. Like, we got to plunge. So I want to take a moment, hopefully, and plunge into some of the mysteries of God and see if some hospitality stuff doesn't come out in there. Now, I want to briefly look at, uh, there are four spots in the New Testament that uh, the word for hospitality comes up. And it's a Greek word. And the word is phalaxenea. And that means to entertain a stranger or hospitality. I love it when I look up a word in the dictionary like hospitality and it says be hospitable or something like that. It doesn't seem very helpful. But, uh, and so there's a root word for that. And that root word is phylloxenas, which means hospitable, generous to guests. And so, so far I'm not feeling too helped out by these definitions. But with that second one, what we find is if we look at the root words of that, we have two other Greek words. And the first one is phylos philos, and uh, that means friend, uh, it means associates familiar, familiarly with, a companion, but this second part is the one that really caught my attention. This was the spe- very specific definition attached to this word. One of the bridegroom's friends, who on his behalf asked the hand of the bride and rendered him various services in closing the marriage and celebrating the nuptials. Now, what this all basically means to us is this is the the closest thing we have to this in our culture is the best man of the groom or a maid or matron of honor, right? That these these are people who come along uh, for the bride or for the groom and they serve them and they honor them throughout the whole process of them getting married, right? And so I want you to hang on to that image that we have sort of like the best man or the maid or matron of honor. So that's the first side of this. This is, this is, Uh, where we're going. Now, the second part of this, the other root word of this, is kesenos, and it means stranger, uh, foreigner, alien, without the knowledge of, without a share in, or new or unheard of. And so when you take these two roots and you put them together, the idea that you come up with is it's like being the best man or the maid or matron of honor to a stranger, right? That there's this invitation to, to really be that kind and that loving and that serving and that honoring to someone that we don't know, that we don't have knowledge of. Now, in our own experiences of hospitality, this gets worked out in different ways, right? It doesn't mean it's not a, a, an exchange or a show of hospitality if we do this towards someone that we know because we know everyone to differing degrees so that even though Rich and I know each other and even though Brian and I know each other, I only know them so far. And so I can still exercise this with them, but it also widens it out beyond our friend uh, group into complete strangers, people that we don't know at all. And so that was really exciting to me to start thinking about and being reminded of, oh yeah, like on Christmas Eve when my grandmother would set extra things aside, she would buy little chocolates and all kinds of stuff and set those aside, like 30 of them, so that when new people showed up, she'd kind of sneak around and get their name and then go in the back and wrap a gift so that would be there for them to have, right? This is making a space for a stranger to thrive, to feel accepted, to be known, uh, and just be cared for. Now, one of the biggest examples of 
hospitality in scripture is an encounter that a guy named Abram has with three strangers. And we find this in Genesis 18, um, uh, verses 1 through 15. And I'm going to read that for you. It's going to be up on your screen too. Um, It says this, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. And he said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. Well, there in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind them. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed at herself, laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Now this um, story has all of the, the aspects of our definition of um, hospitality in it, right? It's got creating a space, caring for a shared space. It's got... Uh, offering stuff to to help refresh them it's it's living and participating in the life of God it's all present there and this image that's up on the screen was done by a medieval Russian painter named Andrei Rublev and it was uh, done he lived from 1360 to about 1427 and this uh, icon is known as the three strangers it's known to, to depict that scene and so you have the three people eating around a table But it's no mistake, I think, that both uh, Andrei Rublev and many other people have said this is also about the Trinity. And I think because when you start to talk about hospitality, you have to go there. And this is where we start to to delve into the, the mysteries of God that we talked about earlier. Because the Trinity exists in a constant state of hospitality. And in this icon, one of the things I love is that the three people are depicted. You have on the left side is the one depicted as the father. The one in the middle is the son. And the one on the right side is the spirit. There's all kinds of symbolism with the style of their clothing. The, the, the clothing that the father is wearing on the left side is kind of hard to depict its color. And it shimmers and shines in some different ways. And so it's sort of depicting that nature of God. Um, and, and, and all of their clothes have something to do with their character. And then behind them, it's, it's hard to see in this picture, but they're behind one there's a house and then a tree and a hill and those all have to do with their their characters in this in this icon the other thing though that is is key to notice is this space in the front because the idea of them sitting there and eating together is this idea of the the constant state of hospitality that the trinity exists in right that the father and the son and the spirit are all sort of setting themselves aside to honor and love the others 
The father honors and loves the son by dignifying him to send him, to carry out his purposes, to live our life with us, and then to be raised again. Right? And Jesus honors the father and his obedience and his love towards him. Right? And the spirit honors and dignifies both the father and son all the time. That's what the Holy Spirit does is point to the father and point to the son. And the spirit is honored and dignified because he too was sent or she too was sent. Right? And so there's this constant movement of hospitality, of creating space for the other to be honored. And so it's no accident to me that these two are depicted together, right? That this, it's both this example of this great story in Genesis, but it's also this reality of the Trinity. Now, we also have to look at creation. I think creation is our, one of our best examples of God's uh, hospitality because God moves and creates as an act of hospitality. It's born out of his very nature. If God really is this constant state within the Trinity of hospitality, then creation is an expression of that. That God, who the Apostle John says is love, out of that love, creates a space for life to flourish, for humanity to grow and thrive, and a space to be shared with God and with each other. So again, we have this creation of a space that's meant to be shared so that people can thrive and God says is so very good and then we see how through scripture this is lived out in a ton of different ways we have the story of the three strangers we just talked about but we always have to look at Jesus how was Jesus exercising and living out this hospitality well we can start and look at one big example where Jesus fed 5,000 people Right? And we see this. This is in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. And the, the references are up on your screen there where Jesus brings 5,000 people and, and provides food for all of them, creates a space for them not only to receive food but to experience him, to participate in the life of God. Jesus calls his disciples, right, again in all four Gospels, in Matthew 4, Mark 1, and 2, Luke 5, and John 1. Right, in this calling, there's an invitation to come and be with him. Jesus is creating space for them to learn and grow and thrive in his presence. And it ends up that as they go through that, at the end of it, Jesus says, and now I call you friends. Right, that through that process, there's growth and a new relationship that comes out of that. We see in John 4, 4 through 26, Jesus breaking cultural norms and breaking down cultural walls and engaging with the woman at the well where he not only talks with her, but allows her to serve him, to, to, to meet his need, because he's thirsty and she brings him water. It's an amazing story. And Jesus also, with this guy named Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector, and if you don't know, tax collectors in scripture have a very special uh, sort of uh, identity, because lots of times they'll, you'll read a statement that says, and there were sinners and tax collectors because somehow sinners doesn't quite do it well enough to cover what tax collectors really are. So they have to be differentiated in their own group. They're not just sinners. They're some kind of like special sinner. And so they get this different category. And, and what we see in this, the hospitality of God and the hospitality of Jesus is that all the things that culture says and all of that, Jesus invites everyone in. Jesus extends his hospitality to everybody. 
As Jesus taught, he used parables, and in those parables, he holds up specific people as examples of what he calls the kingdom of God, where God's abundance welcomes everyone who would respond to the invitation to come and partake at the banquet table of God. The images of God's kingdom that predominate overwhelmingly in Jesus' teaching involve food, drink, and a home-like refuge for all God's creatures and people. It's hospitality. It's building a place, sharing a space where people can be refreshed. People can experience renewal of their spirit and participate in the life of God. So Jesus is all about hospitality. And the other thing is when we look at these examples and we see what Jesus is doing, we see that this is in our day-to-day lives. It's in eating. It's at weddings and parties and gatherings. It's in getting water, which I, can, I think we can equate is very similar to us going shopping. It's on the road when you're traveling. Walter Brueggemann, uh, a fantastic Old Testament scholar, says this. These encounters with individual persons are characteristically not ends in themselves, but concern Yahweh's larger purposes. Individual persons are recruited for greater tasks. And so we see every time we do this, we are reflecting God to the world. Every time we're hospitable, we are sharing in God's work. And we don't do it for an end of, of success or failure. We do it because it's the way God is. And it's part of God's redemption plan. In our day-to-day life, making spaces in the roles of host and guest for others to flourish and thrive, to encounter God, to be restored. And there's lots of ways we do this, right? Lots of means that we have to do this. We host gatherings at our homes, right? We eat meals together. We help out our friends when, when they're kids. They, they need someone to watch their kids and they're really busy and they're stressed. And so we have their kids come over or we go over there to help out. The hospitality team at church, we greet people at the door, hand you a bulletin. We have food here every Sunday. And about a week and a half ago, our ability to do all those things was radically changed. And in a lot of ways, completely stopped. Here's fear again. Here's fear again. The things we're afraid of start welling up. And we start to look at the landscape. I can't do those things anymore. How can I love? How can I care? How can my own... uh, Thankfully, we serve and follow and worship a big, creative mysterious God who always seems to find a way. I don't know if you noticed we were singing that song earlier, Heartbeat. I could feel it. It felt like a heartbeat beating in my chest. Hope, love, care. I could feel it. God finds a way. There's two things about our current situation in hospitality that I think I want to point out. And these apply all the way to like shelter in space, uh, in place, which I think we're, we're really close to or basically in. The first one is we just got to connect. Call, email, 
FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, doesn't matter. Find ways to connect. Talk to your neighbors at a safe distance over the fence, right? We've, we've been fortunate enough to uh, become friends with people in our neighborhood and, and some of the people we've really got to know and, and love are the Greenways. And they have been so kind uh, to us and, and had uh, Greg and Catherine and sometimes Catherine ride their bikes over and just chat in our front yard. Like, yeah, we're all maintaining difference, but, but when you see the kids uh, get to see another kid that they love, it's totally worth it, right? And, and, and we're following all the rules, okay? We're finding ways. You can be hospitable to your own family, right? What does it mean to make space in this new situation for your kids, kids for your parents, to your siblings? You could get involved in one of the neighborhood care groups. And if you haven't been contacted, please let us know because we want to make sure everyone's being connected with. And, and just know too, there's some of it we're trying and, and it's not going as fast in some spaces and in others it's going great, right? I've had several Zoom meetings with groups and it's been awesome to see faces and to talk with people, right? So, so those are all things we can do, right? To remain hospitable. But right now, if we go with the... the what I believe is the biblical definition and model of hospitality, of being the best man or the matron of honor for a stranger, creating space for others to thrive, experience and live out and participate in God's redemptive work and to be restored and renewed. This living out of God's very nature within the Trinity, the most hospitable thing we can do is follow the guidelines and restrictions that have been implemented by our leaders in our state, in our city, in our health departments. Wash our hands. Stay at home as much as you can. Social distancing. All those things. Because we do those for the sake of others. One life, friends, family, church, I want us to be on the right side of history on this, right? We have an opportunity to extend hospitality where it seems like it can't be extended. We have an opportunity to show that this is bigger and God is bigger than this. Can we do this? Can we, can we, can we participate in this this way? Can we extend hospitality in this new way? for the sake of others and be tenacious in it. I have a couple of questions and we don't have connection cards for you, um, but I would ask, you can reflect on these questions I'm gonna ask uh, and then if you would either email your answers to us if you want or text them, um, post them on our Facebook page, all that would be great. Um, I'm... Uh, Oh, this is like breaking news. Um, so I want to um, I want to read this. Uh, this was texted to us um, uh, just as a word, um, and so I want to read this, and then and then I'll, I'll I'll ask my questions, or maybe we'll just end with this. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so um, this is uh, this is from Jessica. Uh, so I have a picture of water. I feel like the water is reaching out and flowing to everyone. It is God's love flowing out and extending. We have the choice to either allow the water to flow or stop it. 
As it flows, it has a double bonus. The water washes away fear and anxiety, but it also brings love and peace. It is a constant renewing. A constant flow is needed or it becomes stagnant. Thank you. It's mm, good. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to, uh, along with that, ask these couple of questions. Uh, and then the, the prayer team is ready. If you have prayer requests that you want to send in, um, and then Brian's going to come and, and close us in a song. The questions I have, though, uh, number one, it's not a question, it's sort of a, a request. Uh, something that is, you found joy in this week. What is something that you have found uh, joy in this week? Uh, and it could be, could be just about anything. Um, number two, have you been able to stay connected with people? Um, and have you been able to receive and extend uh, hospitality this week? And number three is, is a challenge. Uh, will you commit to following the city-state health uh, regulations during this time? Um, and if you don't feel comfortable answering that and sending it to us, just answer could be between you and God. But I think there's something different when we sort of commit to it. Right? It's not just me saying, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. But can we commit to it as an act of hospitality to those who are strangers to us? And for some of us, for people we know on their sake too. Um, so with that, let me pray and then, and then we'll close with a song. Dear God, again, I give you great thanks for this day and for your presence in our lives. I ask that... Um, you help us. You are creative, God. And you've created creative people. I pray that um, as, as we say that this must be stronger than fear, the hospitality must be stronger than fear, uh, it's not saying that fear isn't going to be there. Um, I pray even with our fear very present, we would still be able to be hospitable. We would find ways to create space for people to be loved, to know you, and to be able to participate in your work. Um, so help us do this well, God. Help us in this time uh, to really participate well. Um, yeah. Yeah, take care of, of everyone, Lord. We ask you keep and sustain us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.